Good evening. It is good to see you all here on a nice cold Sunday evening. We're going to have a good time tonight. Open your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 3. I realized that there was a question left unanswered from this morning's message. Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse 21. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Lord, help us as we study your word. And Father, I pray that we'll have a clear understanding from Scripture as to how to answer people that ask us a question about this text. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the question. Who are the overcomers? Who are the overcomers? And what does that mean? What does it mean to overcome. Um, Is this works salvation? Now, you know that people will say that this is works, that they they had to do something in order to be an overcomer in order to be able to be there. Look uh, Look at Matthew chapter 25. Keep your place in Revelation, but go to Matthew 25. I always say that too late, don't I? Always keep your place. How about that? Maybe. Let's see. You know, let's look at Matthew 24 instead. Verse 12, Matthew 24 and verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So you have Calvinists who teach the perseverance of the saints. And the the concept of the perseverance of the saints is that if you don't endure to the end based on this text, then you are never really saved. So the problem for the Calvinist is they don't actually know whether or not a person is saved because they might not endure to the end. And remember, I showed you a John Piper quote on that a while back. He said, I, I, I don't know whether a person is genuinely born again or not until they die. Well, how can you know whether or not you have eternal life? Does that, doesn't that put the onus on you if you don't endure, then you've not made it? And so it's not only Calvinists. Of course you understand that, you know, those who believe that you can lose your salvation. So the Charismatics, Pentecostals, um, Nazarenes, Methodists, many Methodists, um, the Free Will Baptists. You'll have some that, that would use this to say that you can lose your salvation. Now, the Free Will Baptists, they're... they're Teaching is a li- was a little different. I, I think it's all blended in. There used to be a distinction between the free will Baptist position and the general Arminian position. So the Arminians being those who um, would always teach that you could lose your salvation. The, the free will Baptist, the reason it's called free will, is you would have to intentionally tell the Lord you didn't want to be saved. You could walk away from your faith. That's what they meant. But it doesn't work. No man can pluck them out of my hand, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. Um, How many of you know that that you're a person? 
So you can't do it either. No one can. Not height, nor depth, nor, nor uh, any other thing. I skipped some. Can separate you from the love of Christ that's in you. And so you, you have those two extremes, the Calvinist and then the Arminian, and then the free will Baptist fits in there somewhere. But there are also people that call themselves two- or three-point Calvinists. And so what they mean is that they, they don't believe in limited atonement. They believe that Jesus died for everybody. Um, they don't believe in total depravity. They do believe that people have the capacity to receive Christ or to reject Christ. So they, they don't hold to those, but they say, we believe in eternal security, so that means that we at least believe in one. Well, the only problem is the Calvinist doesn't believe in eternal security. So the people who say that just don't know what they're talking about. But all of those groups would use Matthew 24, those that endure to the end shall be saved, and to him that overcometh, I'll give to him to sit in my Father's throne. They use those to say that, well, if you, if you don't make it until the end, then you were never really saved. Doesn't that put the onus on the believer? My favorite passage to deal with this is, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He keeps it. I don't keep it. So is this teaching conditional salvation? Is this teaching a works salvation? Is this teaching a cooperation with us and God to get us to heaven? Well, let's find out who these, these overcomers are. First of all, look at, look at, we're back in Revelation 3 and verse 21. To him that overcometh, so that's one, will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame. Even as I also overcame. So Jesus is the overcomer. Would you all agree with that? Jesus is the overcomer. Look at John 16. Keep your place in Revelation 3. Go to John chapter 16. By the way, I got to tell you, when I when I turn to a text and it takes me a long time to find it now, those are verses that just come to mind as I'm preaching. But I have a new Bible, and I can't find them. So have patience with me when because nothing is in the right place. But for for 25 years, I've used the same type of Bible. And I don't know the reference. I just know roughly where it is. And I go and I turn to it and I find it just like that. It doesn't work with this Bible. So have patience with your elderly pastor. Um, so John 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So who's the overcomer? Jesus is the overcomer. He is the one who has overcome. He overcame death and hell. He overcame the grave. He overcame all, any obstacle that could be in the way. He satisfied the justice of God. He paid my price. He rose from the dead. Jesus is the overcomer. So, back in Revelation chapter 3. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. So, now, who are these? Obviously, Jesus is the overcomer. 
So who are these others that are sitting with him in his father's throne? Well, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So that baptism of the, of the Spirit, what is the body that we're baptized into? And please don't say the church. It's Jesus. Anybody in Christ? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. How do we get into Christ? By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how we become in Christ. All right, look with me at Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. Now, in case anyone thought that it really was talking about the church, do you think that this means his body or Grace Baptist Church? What's it talking about? His body. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So when we get saved and the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ's body, now we are in him. We are in him. So who are these overcomers? There are anybody that's in Christ. Jesus is the overcomer. We overcome through him. Say, Pastor, I don't know. How, how, how do we get to that? How, how then do I become an overcomer? Does the Bible ever actually say that? First John. First John chapter 5. Look at verse 1. Whosoever believeth, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love, that by, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God... What does it say right there? What are those next three words? And this is the victory that overcometh the world. What are those next three words? Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Could it be any clearer? So who are the overcomers? People that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's how you become an overcomer. I, I love that text. Look at verse look verse 5 again. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? 
Now, look at how does that, how does that happen? How does that work? First John chapter 4 and verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. What is that talking about? Verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we become overcomers by faith, but the way that it works is it's still him. I'm not overcoming. It's the one that's in me that's the overcomer. It's just like I don't have any righteousness. My righteousness is of God. I'm not going to overcome the world. God is. God is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then look at 1 John chapter 2. Any of you have been through disciple or training are very familiar with this passage. Verse 12, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So in this text, in these couple of verses in 1 John 2, we have the three levels of spiritual growth. You have little children young men and fathers. And, a, and, a, and a, a, a new believer, all they know is, it's like my neighbor that time, I led him to the Lord. I said, what do you think, Daryl? And he said, he went like this. He went, I feel all clean inside. Isn't that awesome? That, that's a baby Christian. What do they know? My sins are forgiven. So I write unto you little children, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Verse 13, I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. The believer, or the new believer, their focus is on themselves and their forgiveness. The father, the spiritual father, his focus is on the father. His focus is on God. He knows him that's from the beginning. All right? Middle of verse 13. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. What is this talking about? Even these young men, they're not overcoming the wicked one by their own power. The Holy Spirit is in them, and they have some spiritual victories. And so who are these overcomers? These overcomers are people that are saved, that are born again, that have come to know the Lord by faith. I write unto you, young men, because ye have, known, because, uh, ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, right? I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So what should we do because of that? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, people are going to leave. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest 
that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. What is this unction from the Holy One? The Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. We all have the anointing of God. We all have the power of God. We all have the Holy Spirit of God in us. So what should we do? We need to live like it. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 3. Verse 21. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Who is this written to? Verse 22. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What is the context of this verse 21? Why is God identifying these overcomers in this text? Okay, look at verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So remember that the titles of Christ, they give the answer to the problem of the age. So he calls himself the Amen. That means that people are not agreeing with the Bible. The teachers, the people in the churches, they can't say amen. It means it is true and people don't believe that it's true. When you say amen, you're telling the other people in the church that you agree with what the preacher has just said. So what was the problem? The church wasn't agreeing with the Bible. Do you think that's going to be a problem with churches in the 21st century? as we're establishing what Grace Baptist Church is going to be, as we're trying to build something eternal here? Well, we can't build a church. We're not going to go out into the community. What are you looking for in a church? No, Jesus, what are you looking for in a church? And that's what we're going to give the world, right? The amen, the faithful and true witness. That means here, Jesus is the faithful and true witness. That means that in this Laodicean church age, we're going to have a bunch of churches with unfaithful and untrue witnesses. Are you a faithful witness or are you an unfaithful witness? Are you a truthful witness or are you an untruthful witness? I hate to say it, but this is talking about the pastors. So pray for your pastor. Pray for me that I can stay true to the Word of God, that I'll keep my temperament out of it, that I'll keep my personality out of it, that I'll keep my desires, my wants out of it, and that I will submit to the Word of God. Folks, this church, if we're going to stay right, we have to have faithful and true witnesses that preach here. We have to have that. And then the beginning of the creation of God. Who's the beginning of the creation of God? Jesus. Okay, I'll give you the answer. Let's try it again. Who's the beginning of the creation of God? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Who began the creation? Jesus. Jesus. Remember, God the Father ordains. God the Son speaks, God the Holy Spirit executes, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus spoke it into existence by the word of his power, and he upholds it by the word of his power. Then the Holy Spirit moved on the face of the waters and accomplished all of it, right? Understand that today, the greatest attack is creation. So we're going to be faithful. We're going to teach creation. We're going to believe that God created us and he has a purpose for our lives. Amen? Amen. Then look at what it says. I know thy works, that thou, or I'm sorry, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. 
So notice he's talking about overcomers in verse 21. Why? Because you can't tell the difference between the believers and the unbelievers in the church. How many of you know that's true? See, if you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, then if you're walking in the Spirit, your zeal for the work of the Lord will be evident. Your passion for the church, your passion for God's work, it will be evident. It will be there. Then look at what it says. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. See, here's the problem. Thou sayest I am rich. Man, the Laodicean church, especially in the West, has never been richer. I mean, we have everything that we need. We don't have to rely on God. At least we don't think we do. Right? And so he to, to the market-driven church, he speaks to them in economic terms. And he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. True value. True value. Do you remember what he said to Smyrna? He said in verse 8, chapter 2 and verse 8, Revelation, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Remember, Smyrna means red ones. They're just covered in blood. He doesn't say anything bad about them. They're just a suffering, dying, persecuted church. They preached like prophets, they prayed like saints, and they died like flies. And look at what he says to them. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. You see, God's economy is different than our economy. Fascinating. Back to Revelation 3, verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, but knowest not. Laodicea is a know-nothing church. We have more access to information than at any point in human history, and we know less about the Bible than any Christians of any generation. How many of you would say that's kind of hard to hear? Man, it's tough. We need to be memorizing God's Word. We need to be immersed in it. You say, Pastor, I work a job. People have worked forever. We just need to know God's Word. And we need to recognize that the value in our lives is the value of what God gives us. So I counsel thee, verse 18, to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. That white raiment is vital. Because God gives white raiment to the believers. What's he saying? Man, he's, he's saying, Laodicean church, a lot of you are lost. The bridegroom's looking for a bride. You need to get saved. The shame of thy nakedness, what happened in the Garden of Eden? They covered themselves. They, they made fig leaves and covered themselves. Who told you that you were naked? Remember? And what did God do? He killed animals, covered them with with animal skins because sin always requires the shedding of blood. These people, they need to be saved. 
If you're here, you're not, young people, you're not safe because your parents bring you to church. Make sure that you are born again. And we as believers, I think sometimes the reason that you can't tell the difference between the believer and the unbeliever is because they're all unbelievers. Let's make sure that we're saved. Amen? Make sure you're born again. Then look at what it says. That the shame of the nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. The idea of blindness so often in the Bible is a spiritual blindness. Can't see afar off. You're blind and can't see afar off. Boy, we can be so, we, our eyes can be so full of the world that we just can't see anymore. We really need to pray that God will ta- help us to take off the world's glasses and put on biblical glasses and see everything through the lens of Scripture. Amen. Man, we need, let's just be sold out for the Lord. Let's get God's view on the world. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And just so you know, that's the end. That's it for the churches. What, next verse. See what it says? After this I looked. After what? After he's done dealing with the churches. Then it's the rapture. I heard a voice saying unto me, come up hither. And immediately. And immediately. Boom. That's how long it's going to take. You're not going to have time to grab your stuff. You're not going to have time to make sure your kids are saved. You're not going to have time to pray and ask the Lord to save you. Immediately. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. Boom. Probably faster than that. That's what's coming. And then he begins to deal with, I'll show you things which must be hereafter. Remember Revelation 1, 19. Write the things which thou hast seen. That's chapter 1. The things which are. That's chapters 2 and 3. The things which shall be hereafter. That's 4 through 22. The last thing he says, the last thing Jesus says to the churches, look, the last thing he says, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. How do we overcome? By faith in Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we're a saved church. Wouldn't that be a good place when, as we're building something eternal? How many of you think getting saved, making sure that, our, that we're saved? You think that's a good place to start? And let's just be overcomers. Let's, through the power of the Holy Spirit, overcome the world. Let's not be a worldly church. Let's be a godly church. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. Lord, your word is so good to us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for making us overcomers.